From the ESPN studios at Pier 17 in the Seaport District of New York City, this is Greeny with Mike Greenberg on ESPN Radio. You can also listen and watch the show on the ESPN app. Happy, happy Thursday to one and all. Dan Grassa in for Greeny on this Thursday on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. Ray D and Anthony Pusick, my buddies. Along for the ride as well. We'll take you for the next two hours right up until Barton Hahn at noon. On this, I would say, kind of crisp, cool Thursday morning. Got a lot of things in the air. Hot stove starting to percolate with all the rumors and who's going where and how much money is this guy going to want as far as the Major League Baseball offseason is concerned. Hey, 5 o'clock this afternoon. That is when players can start to sign with other teams. I don't know if that's going to mean anything necessarily for the Mets or the Yankees. I don't think Judge or DeGrom are going to put pen to paper by 5 o'clock today. But, hey, you know, stranger things have happened. You never know. But I would be surprised... Giants getting ready for the Houston Texans, fresh off the bye week. Jets enjoying their bye week after their massive win over the Buffalo Bills last week at MetLife Stadium. But we will start, actually, with a little basketball. You know, we're not going to do that that often, you know, because certainly in the middle of the football season, the start of the baseball offseason, but I think basketball is the appropriate jumping off point today. And how can you not after what went down last night at Barclays Center? And if you want to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, call us at 800-919-ESPN. That's 800-919-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. So, If you didn't see the game, maybe you're better off, depending on what side of the argument that you're on or what side of the rivalry that you're on. Because if you are a Nick enthusiast, I don't know how you look at that game last night and draw anything even remotely encouraging from that type of performance. I guess the best thing that you could take from it Right, The only glimmer, the only iota of positivity is that it's just one out of 82. Right? One out of 82. It's not like football where it's one out of 17. It's not like this was a playoff game where you're playing a best of seven and you know you don't have that much room for margin for error. Just one of 82. But 112 to 85. And you know, on the surface, you look at that final score last night and it was ugly. Right, if you didn't see the game and you just look at the box score, you say, geez, 112 to 85. You know what? The game wasn't even that close. And I'm somebody who watched every possession and every bounce of the ball. Game was not even that close. And it was a 27-point margin of victory for the Brooklyn Nets last night. I don't know any other term you can use to describe it from a Knicks standpoint is that was a complete and utter no-show. It was a no-show. I know they didn't have to get on a plane. I know that they didn't have to go far. But you know what? They might as well have taken the night off. I don't even know why they got on the bus and paid the toll to cross the river. Because from a basketball standpoint, they didn't show up last night in Brooklyn. I mean, what else are you going to call it? Seriously. You're down by 35 in that game. You know, we were talking before the show. You're down 25 at the half. And you know how bad things get? When you're down by that much at halftime, and I'll have something to say about that too in a second, but then you actually fall behind by as much as 35 after halftime when you're already down by 25. And speaking of that 25-point halftime margin, 
The Nets were quick to tweet this out. And good job by their PR staff because, you know what, you might as well bask in it. Not much has gone right if you're Brooklyn, so you might as well get any sort of good news and good cheer that you could find. But last night, that tied the largest halftime deficit in the history of Nets-Knicks. 25 points. That's what happens when one team doesn't show up. And you know what's discouraging? about? I mean, there's a lot of things that are discouraging about it, but maybe one of the things that's most discouraging from a Knicks standpoint last night is you were coming off of maybe your best game of the year in Minnesota on Monday. Right? You watch that game on Monday, Knicks played pretty well. Wire to wire, they were in control of that game in Minnesota. They were making threes. They defended the three a little bit better. I mean, like, you you actually came away from that game encouraged. You know, Randall made eight threes. You're like, who is this guy? This is the guy we saw a couple of years ago. But last night, I mean, the Nets out-hustled, out-rebounded. And how about that, by the way? Nets came into that game last night 29th in the NBA in rebounding. 29th. And they attacked the glass better than the Knicks did last night. Not even close. Out-executed Tom Thibodeau's basketball team. And, you know, we can talk about a rivalry all you want just because there's geographic proximity. But what's a rivalry in any sport? A rivalry is when, you know what, one of the teams actually wins a game every so often. Nets have beaten the Knicks eight times in a row. Eight. Last year, a couple of them were close. Okay. But as long as Kevin Durant is on their side, it's been one-way traffic. Kevin Durant, by the way, owns the Knicks. I didn't even realize this until they said it last night during the game. Kevin Durant is now 21-3 in his career against the Knicks. And that's spread out from Oklahoma City, Golden State, and even Brooklyn. But that's what happens when you have a marquee superstar player on your side, right? When you got a guy that you know is going to deliver. That when things are going bad, you put the ball in his hands and he's at least going to be someone that can maybe put the ball in the hoop and act as somewhat of a quasi-stopper for you. So these games don't get out of hand. And the Knicks don't have that guy right now, boys and girls. They don't. And you know, the only thing, the only thing I'll say too about this, and look, I know the Nets are still a disaster and they got a lot of things they got to clean up in their own right. A lot of things. We'll get to them in a second. But if you're the Knicks, and if you're going to make comments, you know, leading up to the game and giggle about the state of the Nets and the disarray that they find themselves in, okay, don't go out there and lay a complete egg like you did last night. You can't. You can't. A couple players were like, oh, we're just worrying about, ha, 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 you know, that's their problem. We're worrying about and just controlling what's good in Nick land. You know, Tom Thibodeau was asked about that before the game last night. The fact that the Nets are team controversy and things seem all, you know, peaceful and quiet with the Knicks. This was Tibbs before the game. Yeah, you know, we have our our challenges. We know how hard this league is. You got to work every day um, and you focus on on your own team. And that's what we've tried to do. So uh, each day is a challenge and concentrate on the improvement, put the work in that's necessary to prepare for each opponent and then go out there and play your best. See, Tibbs isn't going to fan the flames in any way. He's not going to say anything even remotely controversial. Not even close. But you can't go out there and give that type of performance that they did last night. That was embarrassing. 
absolutely embarrassing. See, the Knicks don't have the margin for error to go out there and give that type of a performance. Because you look at the schedule right now, the way it shapes up for this basketball team, and look at what they've shown you. And I know it's a, look, I know it's only 11 games. That doesn't make a season. But you're 5 and 6 to start the year. What is this team? Like what have we what have we seen right now? Like if you were, you know, if you're a doctor and the Knicks are your patient, like what's the diagnosis that you give to the Knicks right now? I see a team that's won every game this year against a team with a losing record. They were perfect in that regard until last night, by the way, when they got embarrassed by the Nets. And they still haven't beaten a team with a winning record. So is that kind of par for the course? It's kind of like what we expected at the beginning of the year? How you thought that this team was going to be somewhere in that playing tournament range, that 7-10 to 10, if things break right in the Eastern Conference, which is not ultimately where you want to end up, but it's still better than nothing. You know, Julius Randle's your go-to scorer. That's what I've noticed. And, you know, a couple of minutes ago, I mentioned the fact that, you know, Kevin Durant is who he is, and he's a superstar, and he's a stopper, and he's a go-to guy, and all those things. And, look, he's one of the great players of all time. You know, those guys are rarefied air. You don't just find those guys standing on the corner and he's, hey, why don't you come play basketball with us? Those are special players. Knicks don't have a special player. They don't. They had an opportunity to go out and get somebody this summer Who's not in Kevin Durant's category. I'm not saying that Donovan Mitchell is, but you know what? He's better than anybody the Knicks have right now. See how Cleveland's doing? See how his new team is performing right now? They're looking okay. But they've lost a couple of games in a row here, but still. Off to a great start. And you saw what Donovan Mitchell did to the Knicks. But everybody that didn't want to trade R.J. Barrett in the summer... Everybody that called me up and said, oh, you can't trade RJ. Oh, look at the ceiling. Oh, his best basketball is ahead of him. When is that coming, by the way? And what is that ceiling? You guarantee it's Donovan Mitchell's ceiling? Because I know it's only 11 games, but have you seen anything in these 11 games from RJ Barrett off of last year and the strides he made last year to where you say to yourself, oh, yeah, absolutely, this guy's headed in the right direction. Looks like the same kind of player to me. You know, Jalen Brunson is steady, but... Okay. Didn't do much good last night. And they're getting absolutely nothing. When I say nothing, that's putting it kindly. Nothing from the two spot. Nothing. Everybody wanted to see Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish didn't make a shot last night. Cam Reddish made the same amount of field goals as I did last night. And I was sitting on my couch. And he played 20 minutes. I didn't even work up a sweat. And we made the same amount of shots. You know, they, 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 they threw Fournier on the bench. That's fine. You know what? He's not in the long-term plans for this team anyway. That was a horrible contract. That was as bad as the Kemba Walker deal. They both came as a package deal. Fournier's still here, unfortunately. He gives you nothing. Nothing. He's been exiled. And you know what? Fine. You know, Mitchell Robinson is hurt again. Where have you heard that one before? So they're hurting at a couple of spots right now. So if you're relying essentially on Randall, Brunson, Barrett, and you hope, you hope that you get something off of your bench on any given night, how far is that really getting you? You know, what's the ceiling? What's, what's the upside here? They don't have that stopper offensively that you're going to go to to kind of halt the game from getting away like you saw last night. I don't think anything could have prevented that from happening because it was a complete and wasteless trip to Brooklyn.
And now you got Detroit and you got Oklahoma City coming in the rest of the week before you go out west. I don't think you can just chalk those up either to absolute gimmies and wins and say, oh, yeah, we're going to get those. No problem. Yeah, we got no problem. Nick struggled against Oklahoma City last year. Who's guarding uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander? You know, Detroit, they haven't won a game on the road. They're due. To say the least, they're due. I don't like what I saw last night. Can you tell? I don't like it. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. I want to hear from you. Nick Takeaways. 11 games this season. Are you discouraged any more than you were maybe before the season even started about what this team could be? Talking hoops, talking Knicks, and the no-show last night in Brooklyn. You love it if you're a Net fan, all five of you. So let's get into it right now. Let's say hi to Scott. He is in New Jersey. He's first up here on 98.7. Scotty, good morning. How are you? I'm good, Dan. How you doing, What's man? up, Scott? Hey, I've got two quick points to, to mention. The first one is, I feel like this is what the Knicks get for, you know, the past, the past two years in the draft, they traded down, they traded their picks to gain more assets so they could get a player like Donovan Mitchell. And in the offseason... I mean, it's kind of hypocritical how they throw all that money at Jalen Brunson, but yet they don't trade those picks and bear it for a player of Mitch, of Mitchell's caliber. So I feel like that that's also what what they deserve because you, like I said, you get you got all those assets to get a type of player like that, and you and you just and you don't pull up the the trigger. And and my second point is. You know, I'm I'm sick and tired of hearing Knicks fans talking about the as long as we make the the nine or ten seed in the play-in. You know what? That's cool and whatnot for for a team who has experienced the playoffs in a while. But it's New York, okay? The priority should not be making the the play-in game. New York is a big market. The expectations should always be championship, deep playoff run, nothing less. I'm tired of hearing, oh, the playing, the playing, the playing. And, and, and that's all I have to say, Dan. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Scott, appreciate it. But, but realistically speaking, the way this team is made up right now, what are the expectations? Like, how can you look at anything greater than the playing tournament? You know, look at the Eastern Conference right now. Who is this? To, give me, give me are, are there six teams in the East that, are, that, that the Knicks are um, better than? Milwaukee's better than the Knicks. Cleveland's better than the Knicks. Boston. Chicago. I still think Philly, when push comes to shove, they get their act together. They're better than the Knicks. Who knows what the hell's going to happen with Brooklyn and how this thing is going to play itself out. Toronto. Chicago. I mean, there, there are more than six teams better than the Knicks. So if you're talking about that, you're in the playing tournament. And look, I don't want to pin this all on Jalen Brunson. I don't. I think he's a good player. I think it was a good signing. And what they did on draft night to clear up all that cap space and to move all the picks and so on and so they did that because they were going hard after him. Now, remember, it would have been a worse calamity if they didn't sign Jalen Brunson because the whole world knew that they wanted to get him. Imagine if Dallas stepped up and, and, and retained Jalen Brunson. He decided to stay in Dallas. So the Knicks, it's like you're, you're in full pursuit of the girl you want to take to the dance. And then she decides to go with somebody else. At least that didn't happen. But it's a process. Jalen Brunson, you're not bringing him in here to be like the franchise player. He is one piece of it. 
Just like R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett is a piece to it. uh, Julius Randle is a piece to it. They're not number one alpha dog franchise players. I don't even know if Donovan Mitchell is that guy. He could be like a 1A. He's pretty good, but I know he's more dynamic than anybody that's on this roster right now. And if you did bring him over here, I'm not saying the Knicks were going to compete for a championship, but they probably would have been in the top six in the Eastern Conference. At least that's what the expectation should have been, at the very least. I thought it was pretty telling last night, by the way, speaking of Jalen Brunson. He didn't pull any punches after that game. Did you hear what he had to say? This is not okay. It's something that we need to uh, quickly you know, recover from. I'm okay with missing shots. I'm okay with you know aggressive mistakes. But uh, effort and heart and um, from all of us, and you know, that's what we need. And um, if you go out there and play as hard as we can and do what we can, and if a team beats us, I mean, we gotta live with that. But when we know we didn't do our go out there 110 percent. Um, that's hard to live with, so no, it's not okay. So you, you definitely felt like you guys didn't play as hard as you played in the other games this year. Yes, they played harder than us, and we didn't play as hard as we could. You can't have that. You know, somebody beats you, somebody out-executes you, whatever. But to say that they played harder, than, and then look, it was evident early on. Early on. Loose balls, rebounds. I mean, did you see the way the Nets were moving the basketball last night? I mean, it was like a thing of beauty. It was like old-time basketball. And Kevin Durant getting in on the act. Kevin Durant had six assists in the first quarter. Justin and Tom's River, he's up next here on 98.7. Justin, how are you? Good, Dan. Thank you for taking my call, man. Uh, I'm not a Knicks fan. I'm, I'm actually a longtime Nets fan. That was a great win for them last night. But really why I'm calling, I want to give an outside perspective on the Knicks. You know, last night, that was just an absolute atrocious effort you know even i don't know if you've mentioned even the free throws that they missed a couple times rj barrett went up there and missed both free throws randall went up there and missed both free throws and absolutely no defense the nets went in there and shot from anywhere they wanted on the floor and for me looking outside in is the message getting a little bit stale from thibodeau you know the first year he went in there they were an elite defensive team, and the team is just not playing defense at all. And just with the Nets, with Vaughn, I think he's done a really great job since he's came in there with the four games. The team has really responded for him. And uh, you think it's maybe time for the Knicks, the Knicks maybe to consider a change at the coach. I'm not really one for that, but it seems like the message is getting stale because there's no effort from there, especially in a rivalry game like that, even if it is not one. Thanks for taking my call. Justin, appreciate it. You know, look, I like Tom Thibodeau. I'm not at that point yet to say that you need to change coaches, but where there's smoke, there's fire. And you guys know this as well as anybody. Last year, there were rumors about there being some dissatisfaction within the ranks there, right? When things were going bad during the season a year ago, that they had to make somebody the scapegoat. And, you know, maybe in the front office, there were some people that weren't all on board with Tibbs and his message and so on and so forth. They couldn't get rid of him because he was coming off a season where they were the four seed in the Eastern Conference and he was the NBA coach of the year. Okay, but now it's a new season. Now it's a year removed from that. And I'm not saying his job is in jeopardy in any way, and I hope that it's not. I hope they can steady the ship and win the games they're at least supposed to win. But you know the owner. The owner's impatient. And the owner's been impatient about this basketball team in the past. And if he feels they're underachieving, then they are going to make a change. I don't know when that point is. But they're going to be tested here over the next couple of weeks. That's why games like last night... Look, I understand the other team has Kevin Durant, but the Nets are the Nets, and they've struggled this year. 
Now, you want to tell me that this is a complete like shift of the pendulum here for Brooklyn because Jock Vaughn is the head coach and they're going to start to play up to their potential? I don't know. It's too early to make that conclusion. But if you see more efforts like the one you got from the Knicks last night moving forward, damn right there's going to be a change. Probably would need to be a change because you can't fire all the players. We all know the game isn't over till it's over, so next time your car breaks down, don't call it quits. Head to eBay Motors. They have 122 million parts to take your car into overtime, so get the right parts at the right prices. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. Jeremy's calling from the mail truck. He's up next here on 98.7. Jeremy, good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning, good morning. Um, I'm just calling because I feel like the Knicks, like, has no structure. Like, you know, they have, they have the coach, you know, for defense, but I feel like they're not showing any effort. And like you said earlier, they don't have a Kevin Durant to close out the game. They don't really have a closer. So it's like, you know, you you expect them to do better team effort, but you didn't, you didn't even see it yesterday. Like, they looked like they wasn't trying. That's, that's, my, that's my point. Thank you. Well, Jeremy, it was, it, you know what? You're not wrong. How can I sit here and say that you're wrong? When you give up that many points... You fall behind by that much. Remember, this is supposed to be a rivalry game. You know what the old saying is in rivalry game, like in the NFL, you know what? You play division games. Doesn't matter how good or how bad a team is. You throw the records out the window. Teams are supposed to hate each other. These teams hate each other? I don't know. And like I said earlier, if it's a rivalry, you know what? Each team should maybe win a game every so often. Nets are the ones doing all the winning every time the Nets and the Knicks share the same court. Here was Tibbs after the game last night. What was the message to the team? It just shows you how quickly things can change in the league. Played really well at Minnesota. Next game, you know, we didn't play well. We have to take a look at it, make our corrections, get ready for the next one. <laughs> easier said than done. Schedule doesn't get easier, folks. It doesn't. You know, you think that the next two games are gimmies? Well, you better win them. Detroit and Oklahoma City because then you're going to Utah who's got the best record in the Western Conference, by the way. See how much they missed Donovan Mitchell? They could figure it out. Then you go to Denver. Then you go to Golden State. Then you go to Phoenix. And then you play Oklahoma City again. And then when you come back to the Garden, by the way, right after Thanksgiving, you got Portland, who's off to a great start. And they have a franchise player in Dame. And then you get Memphis again at home. That is a brutal stretch of games. Those seven games, right after you get done with Oklahoma City this weekend, I, I mean, that is, that can really steer this thing off into an unpleasant direction. That's why the next two were so critical. That's why even last night, even if you didn't win the game, you know, at least give it a good effort. Inspire some confidence that, you know, uh, you know, you caught the nets at the wrong time. Okay, fine. But not the way you went out last night and barely even lifted a finger. Aton and New Rochelle up next here on 98.7. What's up, Aton? You know, when I think of uh, the Donovan Mitchell not coming to the Knicks, that really got steam coming out of my ears. Because I know you say he's a 1A, but you have to remember he's only 25, 26 years old. He's going to get better. He's become an excellent passer. And look at what Cleveland's doing. He's shooting 49% from the field. Can you imagine if we would have had Jalen Brunson and we would have had Donovan Mitchell and we would have probably been able, if we just would have gotten rid of Quentin, uh, Quentin Grimes, which they love so much, and we probably could have had R.J. Bass and we could have had all this, and maybe, maybe we wouldn't have been a championship team now, but we could have been maybe in two or three years. I think the New York media let Leon Rose off a little easy 
by not getting on him for getting Donovan Mitchell. Why? So he could hold on to these draft picks? We don't know how to develop draft picks anyway. We never make we never draft players and they become great players ever. Well, you resign RJ Barrett if they're in a trade. RJ got a second contract. He's at not least. great. He, he's not great. Come on, Dan. You probably thought he'd be better than he is. I never said he was great. My point is, though, is that they could throw that out there, Aton, and I thank you for the phone call. They could throw R.J. Barrett getting a second contract out there to the fan base saying, see, we're developing players the right way. See, we're drafting guys, we're trying to get the best out of them, and then we deem that they're worthy enough to keep around into the future. But it doesn't mean it's the right decision, does it? And, you know, by the way, Aton brought up Grimes, and, and I'm glad he did. Somebody's got to explain it to me. Look, I remember Grimes... In college, okay, thought he was a real feisty player in college in Houston. He fit that Houston team to a T, the one that went to the Final Four a couple of years ago. They knocked out my Rutgers team, heartbreaker in the second round in the tournament. All right? I thought Grimes would be a good fit for this team, really in that Tibbs mold. But we got to, at some point, get off of this Quentin Grimes as if he's like somebody who's an untouchable here for the Knicks. And somebody who's this star in the making. And I don't, for the life of me, understand the way they're coddling him so much. I mean, they're treating him like he's the boy in the bubble. Can't play on the second night of back-to-backs. Don't want to risk him going out there with the sore foot and re-injuring it even further. So last night, let me get this straight, okay? You're so worried about his health and his availability moving forward, as I'm supposed to believe it. That's what's being told to me. So last night, you make him available. When he didn't play in the Minnesota game, he's available last night, but yet he comes off the bench and he's only in there for five minutes. It's a blowout loss. The game is over. You have no chance of winning. What's the point of even putting him out there for five minutes? Because God forbid, imagine if he re-aggravated the foot injury in, a, in, in, a meaning, in, in meaningless minutes in a game that was over before it even started. So the handling of Grimes, I I just don't understand it. Is he playing? Is he not playing? And you know what? If he's available and if he could play, you might as well go out there and play him. Not just five minutes so he runs up and down the floor a few times, works up a sweat, and he's like, oh, he's good to go. Are we going to have to play this same song and dance on Friday? Is he questionable? Maybe yes, maybe no. And you know what? If that's the case, if he could play, start him. Let's see what he could do. Because guess what? Cam Reddish isn't the answer at the two. You sure as hell know that Evan Fournier isn't the answer either. So all we've been told about is Grimes is this, like, foundational player in the making. Remember, Grimes, according to reports, depending on which one you want to believe, he was also somebody that, God forbid, the Knicks could not have included in a deal with the Utah Jazz because Quentin Grimes is too valuable. Quentin Grimes is going to be, you know, the next Clay Thompson. Not necessarily, but you get my point. Awful, awful, awful. Coming up, by the way, on November the 18th, the Michael K. Show, they're celebrating 20 years on ESPN New York with a live broadcast, an after party at the Palladium in Times Square. That is a week from tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Now, leading up to the event, listen to DPH and Rothenberg in the morning and the Michael K. Show in the afternoon. 
for your chance to win $1,000 per show. That's right, $1,000 a show. That ain't too bad. The K-Show 20th Anniversary Party is brought to you by the MoheganSunCasino.com app, the U.S. Army New York City Recruiting Battalion, Fordham University Athletics, Coors Light Keeping New York Chill, and Tullamore Dew. When it's time to celebrate, it is Tully time. For details on how you can win or to purchase tickets to the event, go to KShow20.com. So, talked about the Knicks. As far as the Nets are concerned, they've won three out of four. They seemingly now look like a competent outfit again. Seemingly. KD was great last night. Like we said, he owns the Knicks. I mean, another reason why the you know Nick effort was so bad last night, they made Edmund Sumner look like you know an NBA All-Star, for crying out loud, at the point guard position. They made Seth Curry look like his brother coming off the bench and draining threes. And I think it needs to be said, right? We're all friends here. From where I'm sitting, Nets are a better team without Kyrie Irving. I mean, the proof is in the pudding, is it not? Like, what more convincing do you need? On so many fronts, by the way. First of all, how about the commitment to defense? Right? Everybody is out there buying in. It's evident That's one thing. I mean, it's literally like flicking the switch from when they decided to move on from Steve Nash. And look, the Steve Nash thing was not handled well. I'll get to that in a second. But this team is actually playing on both ends of the floor. Four straight games, they've given up under 100 points under Jock Vaughn. Oh, no, by the way, you know, Kyrie hasn't been there either. They're sharing the ball. You know, especially, imagine what can happen when they finally get Ben Simmons off of these minutes restrictions. How about that? You don't need to deal with any headaches, any sort of distractions. This is the proverbial addition by subtraction and not having Kyrie there. Apparently, he hasn't spoken to Sean Marks. Marks was asked yesterday if there's any news on the Kyrie front. When we have news to share and updates, we we will do so at the appropriate time. As of now, there's there's nothing to share. Have you talked to I have talked to his representatives, yeah. I've talked to Kyrie. There's no new updates. So, I mean, like, if Kyrie was truly contrite for what he did, and he was really committed to the basketball team more than anything else, and he wanted to get back to actually playing basketball, because remember, I said this, I've been saying this for a while, and people thought I was crazy. Basketball's not his number one priority. It's not. But if this team was his priority... Nothing would have to preclude him from picking up the phone, even though he's suspended, and reaching out to his general manager and committing to the team and saying, you know, this, I, I want to get back. I want to be a part of the team. I want to do this. I haven't talked. So who knows where he's at? And if you're Sean Marks and if you're the Nets, you know what? You're trying to win games. And Sean Marks probably trying to save his own rear end. When it comes to keeping his job, because Steve Nash was the sacrificial lamb here. Yes, he was in over his head. And you know what? Steve Nash probably never should have had the job to begin with. Because there was nothing that happened in the two years that he had the job to where he grew as an NBA head coach. Somebody that came on with no experience whatsoever. It was handled poorly. It was handled poorly. You know, and good for Jock Vaughn, really. Good for him. Let's see what he could do with this team. Let's see if he can actually make this team play to its potential and play to its ability. Sean Marks was asked, well, why did you finally settle on Jacques Vaughn? 
He's been a part of this Brooklyn Nets family for, for quite some time. So, you know, we're ecstatic that uh, he's going to remain our head coach. You know, there, there's a number of factors why JV was the right fit. I mean, obviously, I've known JV for a long time, and, and all of us have. And, and he's been a part of this culture. He's been a part of what we've been building here o- o- over the years. Um, and we look at the person he is. We look at his connection with players. I obviously look at what's happened over the last sort of four games. But, you know, it's not entirely that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the big picture here. And and, and you know, having a relationship with him for seven years, his connection to players, um, his competitive spirit—you know—a lot of that goes a long way. And, and we've seen how this team, to be quite frank, has has responded to him, you know, lately. Well, I mean, let's be real, and that all sounds fine and dandy, and you know, Sean Marks can spin it a million different ways. You know, he's known Jacques Vaughn for you know seven years and all that stuff, but the reality is. If the Nets actually went ahead and hired Ime Udoka in light of the Kyrie Irving stuff, or basically in conjunction with the Kyrie stuff when that was all happening, that is literally like the meme or the scene from The Naked Gun with, you know, Lieutenant Frank Drebin outside the building that's exploding behind them and, you know, nothing to see here, everything is fine. That's what it would have been like over there in Brooklyn. There's no way you could have brought in Ime Udoka. And if the NBA stepped in, you know what, you can't blame them. Can you? I mean, the NBA doesn't do everything right, but you know what? This was common sense. You don't have to be a genius to figure this one out. That would have been the the disaster of disasters from a public relations standpoint if they brought in Ime Adoka. Now, here's the thing. Okay, they gave him the job for the rest of the year. They hope that it'll calm the waters, at least for the rest of the season. They don't have to deal with all of these rumors and other things about, you know, Adoka and, and, and whatnot. And yeah, they even threw in the contract for next year for Jacques Vaughn. So he's under contract through the end of next season. That's great. How many coaches in sports, not just in the NBA, but in sports, how many coaches get fired still with another year left on their contract? Team doesn't, organizations don't mind paying a guy a year, let's say, when he's not coaching a team if they want to make a change and move on. Point is, is that if you're Jacques Vaughn, anything less than maybe winning a championship this year, you're still going to have to hear the Ime Udoka stuff, even once you get to next summer. And I got to be honest, I might even be a little surprised if Udoka's not coaching the Brooklyn Nets next year. Because guys like Kevin Durant, if he's still on the team, Kevin Durant like Ime Udoka. They remember when he was here as an assistant. And I still think deep down, one of the reasons why the Celtics, instead of just suspending him, that they didn't fire him altogether and just let him go, was because they probably knew that he might end up with the Brooklyn Nets, given the fact that it's not like they had Steve Nash, who was going to be this, you know, fixture as the head coach for years and years to come. Celtics and Nets still competing with one another. They're in the same division. They don't want to see a rival of theirs get stronger. So, you you know, the suspension's going to be over, all that stuff, and then they'll probably go their merry way, and he could end up in Brooklyn. It's a, it's a bad situation all around. Look, I mean, Jock Vaughn, look, I hope he does a good job. Been here a while. Good guy. Been around the league. Let's see what he can do with it. You know, he's a guy you root for. It's not like it's going to be a complete disaster. This isn't the, like the Colts hiring Jeff Saturday, right? Literally plucking a guy off the street and saying, here, you be the head coach. Guy knows the team. And at least so far, it's a small sample size. But you hope that they respond for him. 
800-919-3776. Let's say hi to John and Glenn Cove, who's up next here on 98.7. Johnny, how are you? Hey, Dan, thanks for taking the call. What's up, John? That's one of the funniest scenes of all time, by the way. What's that? A naked gun, that's one of the funniest scenes. Oh, it's hilarious. So good. Got to get into my Brooklyn Nets. Um, I'm absolutely just perplexed of the the whole situation, what's going on. It almost seems like Joe Sy and Sean Marks, they, they based their decisions on the media. And, and the negative reaction that Adoka got when they were going to hire him. That's the only reason why they, they hired Jock Vaughn. Um, number two, this team isn't going anywhere. The next best thing that they can do is ship out Kevin Durant to Golden State, send Seth Curry with him, get back um, Weissman and Poole, two first-round picks, both teams, perfect fit for both teams. What's your take on that? Um... I'd have to sit here and figure out the the dollars and all that stuff and how it works cap-wise. But if you're telling me that they should move on from Kevin Durant because this team is, as presently constituted, is not equipped to win a championship, I might agree with you on that. I might agree with you. And and here's the other thing real quick, John, about about Durant. Everything is peachy keen right now because I think KD is smart enough to realize the Kyrie stuff – the Adoka stuff, Steve Nash, all this stuff swirling right now in Brooklyn, he's going to play the role of good soldier. And he's going to let his basketball do the talking. But remember, Kevin Durant is also the same guy that in the summertime wanted to be traded. He's also the same guy that, if you believe the reports, wanted um, the, the general manager and the head coach out. All these things. So he's going to lay low for a while. But how can we be sure, John, that those feelings are not going to rise to the surface again at some point during the season? I wouldn't. I, I would be shocked if they didn't. Now, as far as Kyrie, I looked at all 38, 30 NBA teams. There's only two teams that really need a point guard. One's Washington, and one's LA. I think the best situation for both teams, because the Lakers are an absolute mess as well. How about this trade? You're going to trade Kyrie Irving to the Lakers. Oh boy. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, they need a shooter. They need a shooter, right? So you're going to ship out Joe Harris, who could shoot. Do you want to throw in Royce O'Neal as an extra forward? That's fine. And we're going to get back Russell Westbrook's contract, and we're going to get back Lonnie Walker, who could play, and two first-round picks. I think that's a fair trade for both teams because both teams aren't going anywhere. Thanks, Dan. Johnny, be good. Um, if if you put <laughs> you put Kyrie Irving on the Lakers, I would I would sign up for the League Pass subscription, and I would stay up late every single night to watch the Lakers, and then I would watch the games again. Like as soon as they, I would watch them like it would be like a, a a double feature. That would be the most entertaining thing. Like looking over to the side of the road to see the car wreck, but continually driving around the block over and over again to keep looking at it. That's what Kyrie Irving on the Lakers would be. You know what? Before we get into even all these trade possibilities and all this whatever, how many teams are even going to want to bring him onto their club? I mean, I don't even know if hundred percent if he's ever going to play for the Nets again. I'm a little pessimistic about that. And then how many other teams want him? How many other teams want to bring that guy? I mean, really, how many places, how many different organizations and franchises has Kyrie Irving essentially set fire to so far in the NBA? You think the Boston Celtics got better once he left? They played in the finals last year, right? I don't remember ever them getting to the finals with Kyrie. Cleveland's rebounded nicely, right? Okay, I look, when LeBron was there and whatnot, I get it. You know, they won a championship. Kyrie had a big shot in the finals, but that seems like it was another lifetime ago. I don't even know if Kyrie's the same dude as he was back then. Too much drama. Too much minutia. 
Too much distraction. Teams, coaches, they hate distraction. And you know it's probably not going to be received well either.